1: Hello, welcome to The Ruck. This is our penultimate show from here in uh, Cape Town. It's uh, only two days till the uh, second test. And um, Jonesy, uh, so I'm Owen Scott, sorry, introductions. I'm Owen Scott and I'm here with Steve Jones. And Jonesy, did we not get entertained right royally on Tuesday evening at the Foresters pub in Newlands?
0: We did. We did. I don't know who that bloke was who introduced us, who invited us. But he seemed to be known by quite a few people, and he was vaguely familiar. Uh, but also, in a in a gesture of incredible, uh, unparalleled generosity, he also paid the bill for everybody, which I thought was staggering. Yeah. What
1: was his name? I'm not sure, but he had some fantastic name drops to throw in there because he he said he'd just come off the golf course with Jack Callis and Berger. I mean, yeah, that's loyalty, isn't it?
0: That that is royalty, honestly. Well, I I was playing with Jack only the other day, you know.
1: Well, what was that crazy goal? Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway, we've we've um we've dragged the aforementioned uh, into our podcast today. So. Uh... Really, uh, really chuffed that you could come on. So, so uh, our host on Tuesday was Gary Gold, uh, who has coached most clubs in, in the Premiership, was, a, was on the Springbok coaching team in 'oh nine and um, is now head coach for the USA Eagles. So, Gary, um, first of all, really good beer in the Foresters. Steak and ale pie can be recommended to anyone. But uh, thanks very much for coming on.
2: Thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah, good to see you again. Good to see you.
1: Gary, how much have you enjoyed or what have you made of the test series so far?
2: It's been um it's been quite a different one, hasn't it? Really? I suppose everything is different for us at the moment now in these covert times. But you know this particular test series has been has been very different, different Owen and Steve. Yeah. Again the without stating the obvious, playing with no crowds has been quite awkward and sad, really. Um, I think with the exception of the actual rugby that takes place in the field, I mean, Lions tours are, are normally always epic just because of the crowds and the travelling crowds that come along. And, you know, that's been missed terribly um, on this particular Lions tour. But yeah, from a rugby point of view, it's been um, it's been fascinating. Let's leave it at that. It's been fascinating on and off the field at the moment.
1: Yeah, and, and you were um, you were expecting for this uh, test series to really coin it in on the uh, on the hospitality, I guess, weren't you? But but
2: even that's sort of ground to a halt.
1: I mean, you could have retired after this series, couldn't you?
2: <laughs> Not quite, though. Not quite. No, um, no. But I mean, obviously, um, I'm sure. You, well, I know both of you will remember twelve years ago what it was like in South Africa. Yeah. Um, quite literally, the country comes to a standstill when the British and Irish Lions come to town. I mean, it is it it is literally that big an event. Um, not having hosted a World Cup since '95, um, it, it's it's arguably a bigger event. In fact, in fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, there's a folk there's a folk tale that goes around that says that the um, the income for South Africa for the 2009 Lion Series was there was more income that was brought into the country than there was for the 2010 Soccer World Cup which if you can understand it for the length of the Lions tour and the folks who come out and support the Lions tour, you can understand that, you know, for the period of time and, you know, and the the people that come out and support it. So um, it's massive for the economy, which obviously we've missed out on now as well. But obviously it's a, it's an easier trip. It's the easiest trip I would imagine for all Lions fans to take because it's only an overnight flight. And um, I think things are relatively cheap here for you guys. So... Uh, yeah it's a great pity that there's no corporate hospitality and the vibe around the stadiums and and uh, the atmosphere within the stadium so Slutty, we we uh, we say that to
0: Gary what Gary's saying there we we've been echoing that every week and whatever you go in the city uh, and you see um small businesses big businesses taxi drivers restaurateurs bar owners you just really feel for them because they were planning almost their whole um near futures business futures on it and and um we've mentioned this on every podcast twice a week on this tour but it never gets any easier it never gets any easier Ye- yesterday we were guess, uh, of a guest of a rare but fabulous day with, of the Cape Town tourist board and um they were put on a, on a brave face of it but blimey they really really have been hit by this and uh I, in, in my opinion, I, whatever happens on Saturday, the rugby will be massively significant. But in my heart, it won't outweigh the pain that people feel and I feel for the lost opportunities here.
1: Yeah. So, um, Gary, um, yesterday evening, we were invited to Pulse Bay Rugby Club. That must be kind of round the corner is from where you are.
2: Yes, that's my old rugby club. That's actually where I played my rugby, funnily enough. Yeah, so oh. I know Falls Bay very well.
1: Oh, okay. So, do you know Big
2: John then? John Harris.
1: <laughs> well, it, it might be John Harris, but it was it's Big John to us. Yes, um,
2: yes, I do yeah, know okay. him now. Um, Lovely guy.
1: So, so, so at Full Bay, we were having um, having a beer with some of the, the guys in there, and they were recalling 09 and and how they just the club just got completely taken over by uh, Lions fans, and how literally the, the amount of money they made from from one from a one week invasion kept them going for ages and um and the the story that they were telling uh, uh, of this year is that because of the pandemic they've kind of missed this season because of the pandemic they missed last season so they basically lost two seasons and then they played played 2019 but they lost 2018 as well because of the drought so they've actually had one season out of four i mean that's that's a, a, a terrible
2: thing to go through I know it's just, it's actually bizarre what's going on in the world at the moment now. I mean, so many people have forgotten about the drought in Cape Town. I mean, yes, you're right, Slotty. I mean, in 2018, I mean, I remember walking into a hotel um, on tour with the Eagles, actually. And we were in, we were somewhere in California, walking into the hotel and and seeing on the headlines of the newspaper, the USA Today saying that there's this drought and it's so bad it could it could literally, it could uh, uh, bring Cape Town to its knees. And the headlines of a newspaper in, in, in America, it, it, it made such big news. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was, I mean, sounds bizarre. We're 70% covered by water on the peninsula. We've got great big mountains in the middle of the peninsula where you would imagine you could store, at least have some form of reservoir that you could keep the water. And we were struggling with a drought and rugby, right rugby, Clubs weren't allowed to function because you couldn't walk to the fields. That, and that was three years ago. And then obviously the COVID. So it's been, it's been a crazy couple of years. I mean, in fact, their brother club and, and, and also another club that I was associated with and coached. My early coaching days were started at Villagers Rugby Club. And Villagers Rugby Club, which is which is arguably one of the two oldest rugby clubs, along with Hamilton's in South Africa, is, is not quite bankrupt, but is on the brink of bankruptcy just because they rely on, on the hospitality, they rely on the bar, they rely on folk coming to have dinner, they rely on people coming to rugby games and coming to watch trainings on Tuesdays, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. And none of that's been able to happen. And, you know, a club of over 100 years old is potentially about to fold. So it's all incredibly sad at the moment now, all, all very, very sad.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's terrible, and and I don't know, maybe we're just repeating ourselves, but had a Lions tour come, that probably would have solved that problem uh, in one one go, wouldn't it?
2: It would have significantly have made a, a a difference. You know, I mean, even even now with with us not being in lockdown, I'm really hoping that even on the Saturdays now, with people not being allowed in the stadiums, I hope that's some small respite that they they are able to have. People in there, they can get loads of beer in and they can sell beer even on the game day now. I'm hoping that they are doing something quite significant just to help them along at the moment. But you're right. I mean, the Lions tour would have made a big difference. I mean, in 97, um, funnily enough, when I was coaching at Villages that year, the Lions trained there. I mean, in, in those days, that's how it used to be. I mean, I remember we were training down on the bottom sea field and Jim Telfer was Quite literally whipping the guys in the scrum machine up in the top of the A field so yeah i mean that's just how the game has changed in these days and and in fact that, that that clip is in the living with the lions video you actually see them at villages scrumming on the machine so yeah, yeah it's uh your club rugby is part of our fab- fabric here not not only in cape town or around the country but you know but uh, certain places in the country you know our club rugby runs really deep in durban they have a competition called the Murray Cup and you know that's been going for 100 years as well and club rugby was well what was for so so many years before professionalism you know the anchor be- behind our game and and during during the apartheid era it was it was often you would go down to Newlands on a Saturday afternoon watch villagers play Stellenbosch and there could literally be 13 Springboks playing. Uh, you know, granted, they've only probably been capped once or twice. But, you know, that's how I grew up, you know, going with my dad to watch club rugby and, and just watching Springboks all over the show. So, yeah, club rugby is v- very important to us, but unfortunately is in a, in, in a bit of trouble at the moment.
1: Should, should we uh, focus on something that's happening on Saturday? Extraordinarily big game, decide a game for the series. I think we all want a, a good game, as in a good spirited game. I don't think that's too much to ask for. A good entertaining game, as in um, maybe some good tries of that, might be too much to ask for because yeah. it's going to be so attritional. J- Jonesy, how do you see it at the moment? Well, first of all, uh, <clears throat>
0: when it comes down to it, we can all speak about entertainment, but uh, Springbok fans will be entertained mostly, I, f- I feel, if their team win. And Lions teams will be most entertained if the- if their team win. Um, I do That's think, right. though, that, that there are various reasons to think that it will be a bit, it will be um, <clears throat> more recognisable as rugby, I guess, and not quite so attritional. I think that, um, for a start, the like, well, both teams have to go out. And uh, and and try and win the game rather than sit back as the Lions did last week and sit back and try and kick enough penalties to do it. I think if the Lions go home not having really th- uh, having a have a go at it and, and should lose, well, they'll never forgive themselves. So I do think there are reasons for it to be a, a better game for the neutral. I mean, however many neutrals there will be watching a, 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 the box versus the Lions, but I think it'll be better. I think that there needs to be a lot more respect between the teams than there was. Hopefully that will be the case too. I hope that the game is not decided by an accidental head collision, which uh, the referee has to card someone for. I I just think it's first minute if someone comes in with no intent, but goes in too high and he gets red carded, that will really be a, a sad thing, way for it to end. It's been an incredible series, as we all know, because... Just to get it on, there were times in the, on this tour, and we've been here six weeks, where you thought we would never get to the Test matches. We, we all know that. And I think it is credit to a lot of people that they have and are going to play the series out. So it would be nice if it goes off uh, on, on a really enter- interesting, entertaining, perhaps even flowing note, and the, uh, the Lions win 86-0.
1: <laughs> Gary, is that the sort of scoreline you're you're predicting?
2: Probably not quite. Probably <laughs> not quite. Um, but I, I I agree with Stephen. I mean, I think uh, I think the two teams trying to be conservative, it could it could leave one uh, ruining that day for for many a year to come. I think both of them are going to have to go out and you know they're going to have to put a marker down. And I think if you if you just Consider the Lions' selection. I think I think Gax has made it very clear that that's what they're going to do um, with the, the selections and the changes that he's made and the significant amount of changes and the key personnel that he's changed. I think um, I think Stevens 100 right. I think you can expect the Lions to come out all guns blazing, and I think they're going to ask questions of the Springboks with ball in hand.
1: Mm. And, and and would you? I mean, there's very much a feeling that the momentum's with the Springboks and the Lions have have it all to do, really. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, they they won, they significantly won the last half of the four halves of
2: rugby we've seen so far, but it was pretty equal until then. It was, yeah. I, I'm, I suppose that sentiment scares me a little bit. I think that sentiment scares me a little bit as a neutral, of course, because I'm, I'm completely <laughs> neutral here. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's scared, it scares me of, when South Africa are on, on, on never really wonderful... When, you know when they're going into something as as odds on favorite as they are at the moment now just because of what you just said now Slotty, just because the sentiment is that you know this the, you know because of the significant second half that South Africa will bulldoze them well we've seen in you know we've seen in, in a good couple of other halves of, of of the four that we've seen so far that that isn't the case you know and the lions you know do have the ability to live with them so i, I think Rossi and Jacques will be will be Spending the entire week preaching about not resting on your laurels, not resting on what happened last week and realising, you know, I think they will, they will point to the semi-final against Wales and then they will, they, will, they will talk to that and about the mindset of what it was going to take to be able to climb that mountain again to be able to play England in the World Cup final and, you know, what it took to go from that quarterfinal against Japan to, to building up to Wales, which was always going to be a very tough encounter and then have to repeat that against England. I think they'll be tapping into those energies and and talking a lot about complacency because that I feel for the Springboks on that that is going to be their biggest enemy, you know. From a Lions point of view, you know, not so much. I, I, you know, there won't be complacency with the guys that they've they've selected, and you know, I've never really seen a Lions team that are complacent, so I don't think that's going to be a problem. So again, so it is a, it's a, it's a strange dynamic, uh, Owen, going into this game because. Um, it does seem that it's it's there for the Springboks to lose, but I, you know I think it's going to be fascinating from a from a chess point of view, just t- technically and tactically how this game is going to play out because I think the Lions have tried to match them in their game. I think they've tried to match them up front. I think they've tried to match them with their kicking game, and I think they've they've, they've realised with respect. I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that, although. Faf de Klerk not being in the team and Kourbis being there is also going to change that dynamic a little bit. Um, but I think, with this, as I said earlier, with the selections of Bundy Aki, what they've done at centre, and then particularly what they've done with the change of Josh Adams and Liam Williams, I think um, Gats has made his intent very clear in terms of the fact that they're going to come out and try and play against the Springboks. And I think that's actually the way they probably need to try and beat the Springboks.
0: You, you mentioned in Faf de Klerk, Gary, I mean, was an absolutely wonderful player and a one-off, doesn't really conform to really many f- scrum house we've seen, but he's so heavily involved in attack, defense, box kicking, leadership, etc. Uh, do you think it'll t- take some time for the Springboks to kind of reset without him? Because he is really the mm-hmm. fulcrum of the team, isn't he?
2: He is very much so, Jones. The, 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 the only thing I would say is that even leading back to 2019 when Corbis was on tour and Herschel was on tour with them as well, I mean, at the World Cup, and knowing how how Russia and Jacques operate, they are really really good at the integration of players. And I, I know it's, it's it's a big point for them that they you know you know they they always plan for the fact that they they don't necessarily want to lose a key player. Unfortunately, this weekend they've lost two massive key players, one in the fours and one in the backs, in Peter Steff and and in Fuff. But I I, I think I think Kubis has spent enough time in the camp that the drop off won't be that significant yeah. um, but it will be different there's no question of a doubt. kubis is a completely different type of player to Fuff. he's he's quicker he is he's lightning fast um, and as you as you both have seen uh, firsthand at northampton you know he's he's got a very very good passing game he's got a very good running game his kicking game is probably not as good as fuffs and and so I expect to see a little bit more kicks off ten and not so much off nine uh, but um, but yeah I, I, it will be different, but i don 't think there'll be a significant drop off
1: gary uh, one question I, I really would like to ask you, given that you have this uh extraordinary and quite rare experience of having coached so many different in so many different countries and you 've witnessed so many different rugby cultures. So one of the things we say about um about the Springboks is uh is well it's all wrapped up together is that they 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 seem to be able to rise up more effectively and emotionally better arguably than any any other nation in, in the world and at the same time. But the story goes at the moment that one of the reasons they're doing it is because they're, they're doing it for the whole of the country. Now, every national team is playing for their country. That's, that's, that's in the title of their team. But, but we, that was very much the story of, the, of their World Cup winning team, and that's what, that is what drove them on. So mm. with, your, with your phenomenal fl- frame of comparison, do you think, is there a different psyche to this team, or, or, or are they
2: just better? I don't actually know if they're better. Owen, oh, that's the funny thing. I, I don't actually know if they are better. I don't know if man for man, if you match them up against, you know, the Lions team that has been selected or was selected last week. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, we could, we could spend many more podcasts debating that. I, 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 w- I would say probably not. I think man for man, I don't think that would be the case. I would say often in many circumstances, I would say the skill set of many of these Lions players is probably better than some of the Springbok players. I think though the psyche, it is significant though. And I know we chatted the other evening around a similar conversation around the country. And it's it's quite a sad state of affairs, but I think the Springbok team try and use that quite genuinely and and no BS now. I mean, I'm you know, I'm giving you as honest an answer as I can, and I'm and I'm you know, I'm I'm not aligned with South Africa anymore at all. And I, I don't actually, you know, have a have a desire or preference in either camp but I do think that the, the situation is, is quite simply this, this country is really broken this country is broken and I think by and large no matter where you stand on the political divide no matter where you stand in the geographical divide or the ethnic divide no matter where you are in this country because of the legacy that Mr Mandela left the country because so many people across our country in every walk of life have seen a glimmer of hope with Mr. Mandela, that I think everybody out there actually sees that this country can be something. So I take, for example, like you just look out your bedroom window at the moment now. Nobody can question the beauty of mm-hmm. Cape Town, for example. If you were, if the test match was in Bloemfontein and you went into the, to do a safari, you couldn't question the beauty of Africa. If you went to the coast, you couldn't question the beauty of Durban, et cetera, et cetera. So the country has... So much going for it. I think by and large, South African people can be really nice people. I think when we get it together, we can actually show the world that the entire world can live together and that you can actually be a nation of various different cultures, various different ethnicity, various different religions, and you can actually make it work. And we've shown it in very, very small glimpses. And I think the springboks, when they get into camp, because they're such a diverse team, because 15 young men can do that on a field or a group of 28 or 30 who go to a rugby world cup can do that. I think people just get so much hope out of that. I think Mm -hmm. the Springboks use that. I think they use it as a tool to try and instill hope to people within the country. And yet we keep being let down by the politicians or the country keeps being let down by the politicians or the thieves and the people who are corrupting the country. So... I think it's this tug of war the whole time that you know we have this granted everybody's going through a pandemic and yes there was the drought and but we've got this we've got this um hangover of you know what happened with state capture and the corruption and that didn't need to be post mr mandela and i'm talking about post mr mandela passing away because he was still a huge influence even when he wasn't the president now that he's gone you know, the way the country's been governed, the mess that it's in at the moment now. And then you get a sport, sport, which happens to be rugby. You get this melting pot of South Africans, which is all colors, all creeds, all religions, all sizes, all shapes. They come together. they brought together. they, They clearly love each other. They get onto a rugby field. The metaphorical difference between life and rugby is so we've spoken and you guys have written about it so many times about what a tough how tough it can be between between the four white lines and during the 80 minutes and then we come out as victors and then we use that as a metaphor to say well surely if they can do it why the bloody hell can't the country get their act together and i think that's the reason why is because because by and large, the, the man in the street who likes rugby, which is a significant a man and woman in the street who like rugby in South Africa, which is a significant amount of people, actually take a huge amount of hope out of it. The South African the Springboks use that, and they realize that they keep giving hope. So they use that as a motivation. But I think also, you know, the fans that they have behind them, they realize they actually do have a responsibility. Because 2019, they were the only bloody shining light in this country, in, in, in South Africa at the time. And so I think it's a combination of that. It, but you're right, I mean, I, I, everybody plays for their country, you know. England will play for the Rose, and New Zealand obviously play for the heritage of the All Blacks, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody's not saying that it's any different. I just think that the Springboks are seen to be a guiding light to try and fix something, to be a metaphor to show, actually, you can make it work if you you work hard and you trust each other and all those other Cliches that can be thrown into the mix. No, I don't do know do if that do makes do any do sense to you guys, but I just feel that you know it's it's just it's. Uh, I mean, if you do go, you know, if you do go to Forries, for example, on a Saturday afternoon, if you were to go to Forries this Saturday afternoon, you you will see a sea of South Africans of all different mixes, all different cultures, all different ages and genders. They'll come together, and it'll be one big party. Granted, there'll be a little bit of alcohol thrown in for the fun, but you will you will see that people will get on. They'll, you know, and and you know, all the other woes will be forgotten. And so, so that's the reason why. Maybe it's because we're so broken as a country, and people see it as as, as an opportunity to instill so much hope.
1: Go on, Jonesy. That was a pretty incredible answer, wasn't it?
0: Well, it, it was. We don't always get answers like that when we ask rugby rugby people questions, <laughs> um, that was a great answer. Look, I, I, it, it, we we are outsiders, but um, I think some of us have grown to love this place. And uh, you know, as Gary says, the, the potential when the country is, if it can find any way of healing itself, you know. I mean, Cape Town alone is it, it, probably the most beautiful city I think I've ever been to. Mind you, I was born in Newport, so it probably wasn't. Exactly, yeah, That's great comparison, but um, it's it, it, it is beautiful, and I, I just love this place. Um, and I hate it that rugby officialdom didn't put the tour back a year for a start so everyone could get their just desserts. That was just absolutely murderously shocking, and uh, you just hope that uh. You know, whenever we're away, we always look for signs that things are getting better here. And hopefully that, um, you know, as the team comes together, gradually the nation will heal. I know it's got a long way to go, but it's always wonderful to come here. It really is. It's just always wonderful to come here. I think this is the prime Lions tour, easily of any of the three venues. And uh, I think it's the classic Lions tour. And, you know, in 12 years time, I hope I'm still uh, alive to, to see the next one.
1: Should we this, flip back to the game for a bit. Should we have some predictions, Jones? Do you got a prediction for the game? Uh,
0: I, I think it'd be very, very tight. I think that Win Jones coming in on the, on the tight head makes a difference because I think he's a different. Uh, he's a, an emerging player and a, and a really, really good one. I think Bundiaki is um, could be a, a, a luxury or uh, or the opposite because I don't think he's absolutely brilliant rugby player but he has got power there and he's got one chance to show that he deserved to be a lion sort of thing so i, I i've got this feeling it's not going to be a, like a walkover i don't think they'll the forwards will collapse etc always difficult to win the last test because you're always you can't you can't help but think of of going home and seeing your loved ones and all the time you spent in lockdown but if gatlin's warren can get them Mentally, right. I think it could be very, very close indeed. Then it's up to uh, whether it, whether uh, the Lions can score the points. I mean, they're probably going to have to score maybe two, maybe three tries to to put the Springboks away. That is a big a big order, a big ask. The way that they've been playing in attack, but I just hope it it I hope it, 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 it leaves us with the the, the the bond which does exist, cemented between the Lions and South Africa. That's, that, that's a big hope.
1: Gary, how, do you, how are you um, predicting the game?
2: Well, I was thinking on the buzzer of 80 minutes for them to be locked up at 15-all and Mornay staying to kick the winning <laughs> goal and win the second Lions series in a row would be quite a good story. That's quite cruel, um, really. That's cruel. <laughs> I'm not sure it's gonna go down that way. Firstly, I'm horrendously bad at predictions. I, I I I would have been a bookmaker instead of a coach if I knew anything about predicting. <laughs> and 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 I'm, I'm atrocious at it. And it's 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 such a difficult one. I'm 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 not a fence sitter. Um I, I do think I th- I think the spring box, I think the spring box will rise to the occasion. I think I'm nervous there's too many changes. Um, in the in in the Lions team, I believe traditionally the Lions' third week is always a shorter week. They train once and then they have captains run. With that many changes, um, I'm worried about that. I agree with Jonesy 100% on Bundy Aki. I mean, it could be um, dirt or champagne. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, although he's a fine rugby player, I think... I think but they have picked some unbelievable game breakers. And I think they do have the ability. This Lions team, do have, they will rise to the occasion. They do have the ability, as Stephen just said, if they, if they run in three quick tries or not even necessarily quick tries, if they get two or three scores ahead, I think their tails are going to be up. It's going to be a difficult one. My rugby brain says that it should be the spring box, but I think it's going to be a very close one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be within one score. Come on then, Slotty,
1: what's yours? Well, I, 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 can, I can see how it could go both ways, which um, is not a very definitive answer. No, um, it's but not. I think the Springboks are more likely to win. But I, I look at that Lions team, and you sort of suggested this already, Jonesy, that we've had two test matches and I don't think we've seen anything remotely close to, to their potential. So, if they if if they can they can tap into what they've been working on, then there's definitely definitely more to come. And th- the other side of it is, I think we can't forget how slow the game was last Saturday. That 60 minute first half and a 55 minute second half, I mean, just horrendous. And and this is a Lions team that wants to play play fast tempo and, and, and try and tire out the opposition. And that that just didn't happen last week for for the reasons that we all understand. Partly because the Springboks were controlling the game, but also because of the, the way that it was refereed. And that's not really supposed to be a slur on the ref. So I, I, I can see a reason, an argument why why it could could go differently. But, you know, if they can get that pace in the game and get a bit more ball in play, uh, and, and then they do have a bench that could run away with it, that's, that's the plan. So I, I can see that. I think it's unlikely to, because I think the Springboks uh, will just exert that control again. So yeah, I am I, tipping a Springbok win, but uh, uh, I, I would love to see I would love to see a thrilling last twenty. And I thought, uh, um, Gary, when you said it was going to be locked at fifteen all at the end, I I thought you were I thought you were coming up with another kind of ironic joke because that was the score at, at the end of the uh, at the end of the third test in New Zealand four years ago, and it remained on fifteen all, and everyone stood there going. What happens now? And the
2: answer yeah. is nothing. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I hope I hope it doesn't end up being a draw. I'm not sure. I actually have no idea if they if there is any plan for extra time this this time round. Um, there isn't. There, there, is there isn't.
0: No, there's not, Gary. No. Yeah.
2: No, that's a great pity. Um, yeah, and and yeah. I mean, also just you know live in hope as well that Matthew Raynell doesn't try and be the most important man on the field on the weekend. And and I hope that the surface is able to stay up. I see the sun shining today. So, um, yeah, hopefully that surface will stay up. And, you know, I agree with you, Owen. I mean, I think the Lions are... I don't know if it is caution to the wind. I don't know if it is caution to the wind, saying that they need to come out and play ball in hand. But I agree with you. We were under the impression, I mean, we being rugby people who enjoy the game. And when we saw the Lions coming out here, we thought it was going to be a, a Springbok type of arm wrestle versus the skill set of the Lions, you know, and and the, the the ability to want to play, you know, especially w- when you saw the names that he picked in the initial squad. But I think uh, the, the, the big significant name for me on the weekend is, is Finn Russell on the bench. And I think, as you said, you know, with 20 minutes to go, Finn Russell doesn't understand conservative. You know, Finn Russell is not going to get in the pocket and kick corners. You know, Finn Russell is going to – and Finn Russell is not going to stick to the game plan either. He's going to do what he sees in front of him. So um, he's mercurial. Um, he, he he can be absolutely brilliant. And I think if it's locked up with 20 minutes to go and he comes on and you've got uh, Joshie Adams and and and, and uh, Liam Williams and Duan van der Merbe in the outside – in the back three running riot, I think it's, yeah, it could be very exciting. It could be a very exciting day. Mm-hmm.
1: Gary, what, um, what what do you think? Um, sorry, when do you think we can have a Lions team going to the USA? Sorry, maybe that's a silly mm-hmm. question. Well, well you, you're the um, you're the coach of the USA Eagles. Uh, we see incremental improvement from World Cup to World Cup. Is that the way you 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 see that your team going?
2: We hope so. I mean, that that certainly is the plan and the strategy. I mean, again, you know, it's well documented, you know, what 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 ended up happening to USA Rugby over COVID with the bankruptcy. Um, but on the positive side, you know, the MLR is growing from strength to strength, slowly, but it is growing from strength to strength. Um, we all chatted the other evening about what needs to happen and, and the cautions that they need to know. I think there are a huge amount of lessons that the MLR can learn from the Premiership, particularly in the early, early 2000s, I think when the Premiership actually started to um, sort out the creases and, 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 you know, try and make some, some decent changes and the advent of the academy system within the Premiership, I think that brought a huge amount to the English game. And we saw, we've seen how the English game has, has progressed over the years. So the MLR is bringing hope. I mean, it's bringing, at least for a national coach, it's it's bringing me a crop of players that can play week in and week out, which never happened when I was appointed in 2018. So that's a a point in the positive direction. And then, But the ultimate holy grail is us being given a Rugby World Cup, um, USA being awarded a Rugby World Cup. It's a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario because we need significant investment before we can grow. That's just the bottom line. You know, we we can talk about all this commercial nonsense and USA and how they do sport. They don't. They don't do sport when it's your 12th or 13th sport in the pecking order in the US. So it isn't a sport of any significance in the United States at the moment, and it needs to be made one. And the only way it's going to be made one is if it gets something of the magnitude of a rugby World Cup. because It's never going to happen otherwise. The rugby World Cup will then encourage investment and investment will then encourage the game. Again, the, it's not a coincidence that the most successful teams in the world... Are the teams who are able to contract their own group of players and manage their players? As Jonesy actually pointed out the other day, it's quite worrying in a way that since 1987 to today, the top five teams in World Rugby are still the top five teams in world rugby. Yeah, you know, yeah. why has a Fiji not made it? Why has a Tonga not made it? Why has USA not made it? Why has why has nobody else? Because you can't question the 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 ability and competence of the rugby players of Samoa, Fiji, and, and Tonga. That's for sure. They're certainly good enough rugby players. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, that begs the question as to, you know, why hasn't it moved forward and, and its investment? So, to be able to get a Rugby World Cup would, would mean, off the back of that, that hopefully there can be some significant investment, investment into the game, investment into the grassroots, and then the grassroots hopefully will produce results. And, you know, I only just look at it from, you just look, and I use England as an example because I'm familiar with the English game. You just have a look at the significant effect that the that the academy system has had on nurturing uh, English rugby players, um, and and you know England didn't don't have to regularly go out and steal players from New Zealand and Australia and South Africa and have to go because they uh, and and get them um, you know passported and and uh, um, you know, get the British citizenship because they're producing a good enough system. And, um, you know, that's what the USA need to do because, you know, the world rugby, I mean, that's, that's not the way to grow a rugby nation by trying to poach players from other countries. So mm. the United States is big enough. There's certainly there's there's more than enough people to play, to play the game and there's certainly an appetite for it. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a chicken and egg scenario. We need the money to to, to be able to get, to get this the system right. And, and, um, but we need something like a World Cup in order to to inspire investors because investors aren't going to, going, going to just throw money at something. So, um, no, It's the
1: it's it's 2027 World Cup you're looking at, isn't it?
2: 2027 20, or 31. Yeah, 27 or 31. So they're doing the bids together. So the bids oh, I, for both World Cups are going in together.
1: I fancy 27. What about you, Jonesy? Well,
0: look, the thing is with it... Um, we, we've got we've got got to get away, and we have got away a little bit from. We're the only person, people who can host the World Cup are those who can guarantee the most money. What you do is like like I mean, Japan was a great bonus because if people right. thought it would not make any money, it made a fortune. France will make a fortune. Now it is it is time that they started um, working out that, as, as Gary says, um, the, the the USA if if it got the big tournament. It wouldn't actually be the the, the end of the world if it didn't make the usual hundreds of millions, but it it would be absolutely magnificent if it allowed the USA and USA Rugby to put down uh, significant um, foundations and and, and give us another contender. And that is more important. So it's right that they should do a couple together, so then you can have a guaranteed profitable World Cup, with one that is seen as the development of that nation, and that is what they must do. And actually, don't put it off another eight years. Why not do? We got France this year, possibly then maybe Australia, but why not just be bold and give it to the, give it to to America? And also, don't don't send it to America and do it the way it's always been done allow America to have its own philosophy of it and, and to have its own Americanisms in it as well. So it would, be, it would be brilliant. And how many fans from Britain are going to go to an American World Cup? It'll be a mass exodus out there.
2: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the the, the the there's a bit of history with soccer as well, with football, because I think you saw after the 94 uh, Soccer World Cup that was hosted in America, you've seen the advent of soccer in, in, in the United States, not only in the men's game, but in the women's game as well, you know, and it, uh, it, it it's it may, maybe the USA national team is not necessarily as good as, you know, some of the European teams, but the game itself and the MLS a, as a, as a, as a, as a sport and as, as a, as a, a commercial entity is a very, very enterprising opportunity. And I think, um, I think Steven's hit the nail on the head. I think, um, I think, I'm nervous that 20, I won't be around, so I've got no agenda here. But I think 2031, you know, I think they will get it in 2031, the USA. Um, but I think, you know, I'm not sure if they can hang on until then. I think it's uh, it's really important that they need to make a bold step. And I agree with you. I think they need to send it to the States in 2027.
1: Gary, you're going to have to hang on because when the World Cup does come there, we are relying on you to take us out to the pub, the equivalent of the Foresters in Denver
2: or, or New York or, where, or wherever you're going to entertain us. I thought the deal was that I was the only one paying in rands. I thought the dollars and pounds was on your account.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> fair point.
1: Fair point. So on that note, we're buying Gary a, a drink in the pub of his choice in New, in New York, Washington or Denver in uh, uh, 2027, we've agreed. That's when we won the World Cup to go there. Hey, Gary, listen, a um, uh, real treat for us to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, it was uh, it was great to hear your opinions um, on, on everything we discussed and uh i hope to see you in the in the uk sometime soon when you're on your way through jonesy good to talk mate see you see you later today
2: yep
0: and look after yourselves both look after yourself gary
2: and all the best thank you Jensen and lovely to have caught up with you again and look after yourselves and stay safe thanks for having me on
1: Excellent. Thank you, listeners. This was the uh, the, the penultimate right before the, the Test match. We'll have one wrap-up once it's all done after Saturday. What an occasion that will be. We'll speak to you again thereafter.